here we go. From the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, the podcast hosted by three pastors that dives into faith, relationships, pop culture, ministry, current issues, and a whole lot more. Hey, everybody, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, and welcome to 2021. Yes. We have turned the page. 2020 did win. Yeah, <laughs> we have turned the page. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors. I'm Pastor Mark Helsel, along with my my friends. How are you guys doing? Welcome to 2021. John Price. John Price. Well. Yeah, it's good to be out of 2020, and hopefully 2021 is... Is better. How you doing, Reverend? You're doing good? Doing all right, yeah. And to my left, Mike Arnold, doing all right too. COVID free so far. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I should not joke about that, no. but doing all right so far. And uh, yeah, trying to keep warm. COVID free. We are COVID free. That is the, uh, that's the theme for post-Christian that's pastors right. in 2021. If you listen to this podcast, you remain COVID free. <laughs> <laughs> That's directly that from Anthony Fauci. You're making that promise. Yep. Huh? <laughs> is, that a word, is that a word of faith that you're... A COVID blessing hanky. <laughs> word of, thus saith Just, the Lord. Is that a word of faith that you're thus saith putting the Lord. out there for all of our <laughs> We're so many. We've already went way downhill in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, welcome. You want to be the first who's, uh, who's made that... Yeah, uh, there's plenty of people. We'll talk about that in a minute. Opportunity yeah. there, guys. Yeah. There's well, a business opportunity. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. There's a few people going downhill yeah. in 2021 <laughs> already. People are off to a, a straight off the cliff, man. Not even, not even, yeah. not even standing at the top of the diving board very long. Looking, just it's jumping weird. in. It's yeah. getting weird. Guys. Getting weird. It's getting weird. So, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here for Post Christian Pastors. This is episode 26. Episode 26. We got 26. A, we got a great guest coming up. We uh, on this podcast. We uh, basically are three pastors. Today will actually be four, kind of, because our friend Marv Nelson will join us for later in this interview because we kind of pieced this all together from different times. And so Marv filled in and we kicked Mike out and no, we didn't do any of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we, we are... Mike had better things to do. That's right. We are three pastors and we get together and we talk about issues. We talk about pop culture. We talk about scripture. We talk about politics we talk about everything that we can't preach about on sunday yes <laughs> try, <laughs> trying whatever we can talk about here that we cannot talk about on sunday trying to help people live in a post-christian society and live in the way of jesus and follow jesus in the midst of that um and so that's what we do and so you're here and welcome we're glad you're here and uh speaking of things uh that we can't talk about usually there's an <laughs> elephant in the room here as we record this because we are recording this merely days before dun 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 nfl playoffs the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the Cleveland We're in the playoffs. The the COVID Browns. The COVID Browns <laughs> are playing are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers this coming Sunday. And and uh, this Heinz will go Field. Heinz Field. Heinz this, this will Field. go out before the game. So yes. so uh, Mike, here you are back in the playoffs. Your team, the Cleveland Browns, after 18, 18 long long years. years. Now, how are you feeling? How 
How you feeling, Mike? How are you feeling about this game? You know, it's been a great season so far. Yeah, obviously, you know, Mark, because you went to, with me to Cleveland <laughs> to watch a Browns game. There are photos. I just found this out him prior to recording, and, and I am shocked. Cheered for the Browns, stood up because they're playing the Ravens. We have a mutual friend well, or your, enemy. Yeah, your enemy. The friend of your <laughs> en- My enemy is yes. your friend. Whatever. How's yeah. that go? The, the, enemy, of, the enemy of my, my enemy, enemy is my friend. friend. That's right. That's how you took it. <laughs> and we enjoyed some time in Cleveland Stadium. Brown yep. Stadium. I actually said go Browns you at did? one point. You did. Yep. But and I repented immediately. You experienced and, a Browns loss, too. And I got out of that You experienced quickly. the <laughs> feeling of a Browns loss walking out of the stadium with everyone else. My time as a Browns fan was like a, an annulment. It was like it's very short <laughs> marriage. It doesn't count. It doesn't I appreciate count. the support. Anyways, for this I weekend. Had I had fun. You know, it was I good did. to see the Browns beat the Steelers again. You know, again. again. <laughs> um, just like last year at the end of the year, again this year. In a meaningless game. And um, we got us into playoffs. It wasn't that meaningless. But it was good to see us get in the playoffs. You know, I'm looking forward to a playoff game. If we have one, it appears that every player and coach <laughs> in the Cleveland Browns has COVID-19 right now. Yeah, they gave me a call a little earlier before the <laughs> podcast. They asked me to play. Yeah, so, a kick, okay. kicker. Are you? Well, you're younger yeah. than Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Oh, oh. No. no, I'm not. <laughs> he used to tell me that. He used to think I was so old. He'd tell me how old I was. Uh, yes. So, so um, I want to say this. All right, is that I actually on Sunday I got to admit I know I'm going to lose some friends, but I was rooting for the Browns on Sunday. What I you was should strategically. Now, here's the you thing. absolutely should. Right. Here's the thing. Strategically, it's a good move. Because yep. they can't, uh, they can't beat us in the playoffs. I'm not making that prediction. You feel more confident. But second yeah. of all, you feel yes. more confident. And second of all, I hate to see people go 18 years of frustration. I mean, in this city, we know what that's all about with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's true. So I mean, I, yeah. you got to feel good. I mean, yeah, you, you just, know, you gotta as, get, and you, I'm going to remember that as the tide turns and Ben retires and you got Mason Rudolph, whoever <laughs> quarterbacking this and whoever is a running me. back after 18 years of you guys losing, I'll start <laughs> feeling bad for you guys <laughs> as well. <laughs> it, it will take uh, at least 18 years, but oh, well, here we go. I so, so uh, we're all, all three of us looking forward to that. That's yeah, going to be, be a, Steelers win on Sunday. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting or Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever that whenever game, the happens. game happens. All right, we'll get there. We will get there. So that's coming up. So uh, that's not our topic for today, even though we could <laughs> fill a whole a whole show with that. Yes. And uh, my trip to Cleveland Stadium. That could be a whole other show. Mike took me on the coldest night of the winter in December. We and where did he get his seats at? Top. In the second from the top row the of the side. stadium, the Lakeside. Yeah. So he's, you a fr- like, he's a frugal man. Frugal. No, it, it was it was very nice. He took me. I, I had a good time. It was in in Ohio, which is like a different world from Pennsylvania, because many ways the yes. COVID the COVID Doesn't dies there. when you cross the border <laughs> into it Ohio. Just disappears. It's all there's, open. There's no COVID over there. If you drive by and it says. Welcome to COVID-free uh, Ohio. Maybe that's why half the team has it right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, they must have drove over here to get it. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird, man. I'm telling you, we were, we went to eat at a restaurant, and like people are like sitting at the bar, and there's hanging out. the people are hanging out, no mask, and I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what year are we in? <laughs> Mike, I think we... I think like is Bernie Kosar quarterbacking the Browns right now? Like, 
<laughs> where are we? Uh, the look on my face had to have been like, yeah, I was like, you were, you were just like, oh. I mean, I had four layers of clothes on, so I felt like maybe that would protect me against the COVID. Well, that gives but, you a nice six feet of distance. Oh, right? I, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was socially distancing with all my clothes. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was happening. So, uh, here we are this week. Our, uh, w- this is another part of our series called lost in America. And we're talking about today being lost in the Bible. Okay. A lot of people these days feel lost when it comes to the Bible, yep. uh, maybe because of the way it was taught or because what they think it says or, or, um, or just like, it's just confusing to them. It doesn't make any sense. It's irrelevant. It's, they don't know where to start. They don't know where to start. It's thousands of years old. We have a great guest who's going to address that. His name is Dan Kimball. He's one of the, man, I, I got to become friends with Dan, but he's one of like the, like uh, people I looked up to uh, his writing about church and, and, uh, he wrote this uh, book about like, they, they, they hate the church, but they love Jesus. And that whole, that was like early two thousands. And he just has a new book came out. That's called, um, how not to read the Bible, making sense of the anti-women, anti-science, pro-violence, pro-slavery and other crazy sounding parts of scripture. Sounds interesting, right? Yeah. So it's a brand new book just came out. Dan's going to be on here in a minute to uh, talk about that. But before we get to Dan, um, I want to ask you guys, have you ever, um, have you ever had any weird moments with the Bible? Like something happened revolving around the Bible or something that happens, you know, with the Bible in your many years of being a Christian or a pastor. So what about you? Yeah. Um, so in my previous church, I was the youth youth pastor there and our senior pastor was preaching. I wasn't, it wasn't me. Um, might have made sense if it was me, but it wasn't me. And, um, <laughs> when you were young, whippersnapper. Yeah, right. And one of our dear older women who, uh, was not crazy, not crazy. She just didn't old. She's an older woman. (laughs) Okay, Mike. She gets up in the middle. She gets up in the middle of the sermon and starts yelling, "That's not the Bible. That's not the Bible." Um, What do you think it was? Well, she just I think had a different interpretation of of the text that our pastor. So she's yelling at your pastor. That's not the Bible. What did he do? He just very calmly, you know. Call, you know, spoke to her by said, name leave. and, you know, and said, <laughs> you know, Ethel leave, <laughs> <laughs> not quite, but, you know, was, you know, <laughs> kind of just spoke to her by name and just said, you know, we can talk about this later. This is, you know, you know, sure. We, we could have disagreements, but during the worship service is not the place to, to, to do have, that, to have these, you know, conversations. Uh, it wasn't really a conversation. It was more like a yelling match. But. Did she actually sit down? No. Well, she had. No. She actually had to be escorted out. No. Yeah. Yeah. You did the old escort out. Yeah. That would be painful. Yeah. Have you ever had something? You ever had to escort anybody out? Uh, not. Not again. Not. I've been. I've been like the church that I attended in seminary. We had a a guy that worshipped with us, uh, who was part of. It was I think he was a member for a while, and he would occasionally just. He'd kind of do the same thing, but not quite in the same way. But he'd get up and start making a scene. So he like loses mind, and, and like, you know, like, you know, 
our elders or deacons would kind of get up and. Yeah. I was once at a church in Chicago. The police came in and must have pulled, like arrested someone. He must have had a warrant out. Oh, really? And they <laughs> wow. literally in the sermon came and got him out of church. Oh, wow. Whoa. I was like, it was three rows in front of him. I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> Please, and they look down the pew and they're like, you, come here. And he knew that do, it. That doesn't happen he on the it. online service. No. no. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> The pre-recorded wow. online service. You guys should have been here for <laughs> the real service. That you guy's got going to jail. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should just do is have people get arrested in the services and people would come back because they'd be like, There's a, this is must. You don't know this what's going like, to happen. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. You know. Got to so, be there. All right, Mike, what about you? You know, there's always the Bible. There's always weirdness around. Sometimes people want to date the earth with creation. So you'll get someone who asks some questions around the Bible that way. Um, and it's like they've got a really strong opinion um, on the age of the earth or what it would be based upon mm-hmm. the genealogy of the Old Testament. Sometimes there's a, like interpretations of Revelation and end times where someone has a you know obscure question around that. The other one that I just came to my mind right now is like just men and women relationships. Ephesians chapter five. I love teaching that passage in my in weddings that I do because I think it really teaches a mutual submission, but. Often it's been used to, to lord authority over women. And so I'll get uh, all kinds of questions around that issue as well. So there's always hot button issues that the scripture speaks to. And depending on, you know, sometimes people use it to strengthen their prejudice or, or personal viewpoint, whatever that would be. So those are always fun. So you yeah, cr- some crazy moments around that? Around the kind of the male-female yeah. thing, you know? Um I often feel like, you know, it's a teachable moment in my premarital counseling to to bring up that text and sometimes like like people just do not want that text ever said because they've been hurt by it so much. It's like throwing a grenade and see what happens. (laughs) But I've had actually really good moments in weddings where people have come up to me and said, I've never heard that text taught that way mm. and um and really do it not just for the the husband and wife that are getting married that day the bride and groom but also just for for everyone to hear sure like, this is what scripture i believe is saying in this passage yeah uh, and so yeah i think that you know those are those are always fun things when you when you get it whether it's at you know a neighborhood party and someone brings up you know a bible verse that they heard when they were kids or yeah, that, that's horrible, though. Like, you're at a party, and you just want to be at a party and hang out. Somebody goes, hey, Mike, what do you think about women submitting to men? You're like, uh... Oh, in Ephesians, well, says she should submit to you like the church submits to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Woman, give me a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think that's don't it. Think that's, <laughs> yeah. Don't think that's. Don't think that's. Hey, Bob, can I just get a burger? <laughs> like I, I don't want to really talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always this weirdness like that when you're a pastor. But I love when know. people start. I call it, you know, they start they start drunk scripturing. Oh. Like you ever been at a place where people just start throwing out? They're drunk, and you're at somewhere. I and did they're college like, ministry. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I did college I, here is a person who's a pastor right now that gave his life to me. Like he was completely wasted, and you give his life to Jesus. He's like, I need to give my life to Jesus, and I'm like, All right, let's do it now. And uh, he actually did. He started on a journey. And, Does it count uh, if you're drunk? <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it, it did for him. It did for him. And uh, you give your life to Jesus when you're drunk. He's actually count? now a pastor. We should bring him on the show someday. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. That is awesome. But drunk scripturing is fun too. Like people just start <laughs> quoting stuff, and it's like half this and half that, all mashed up. And you're like, um, where do I start? With this? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not productive. Yeah. <laughs> So here's my story. My story happened when I was uh, I was at church camp and I was working as a um, I was working as a camp counselor uh, and um, I think it was like elementary school kids. It was like elementary school kids and they were all in my cabin and we had this one kid. He was just bad all week long. And I grew up in the CMA church, Christian Missionary Alliance. Shout, woo woo! <laughs> all right, so I grew up in the CMA, and um, the CMA around where I grew up was very fundamentalist, cool. very like woo. cool. I always think cool. <laughs> really? No, <laughs> no, because no. that's not the word yeah. I was gonna use. No. <laughs> Awesome people. So yeah. they were, yes, great people. Yeah, so but awesome. but I, what I grew up in was very fun. To, I like I w- like we had a camp leader one time. The director of the camp sat down and played uh, twenty one with us cards. And he and some the cook. We were doing this in like the dining hall. The cook called the denominational office on him for playing cards, cards. with us. So like that's what you can imagine. So that's why I grew up. So these kids that that I would. That were in my camp. That could lead to sex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, sex. Sex leads to dancing. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry, sorry I get you gotta get it right. Sometimes, yeah. That's yeah. the Baptist. Sex. You might gamble at the end of all of that. <laughs> yeah, at the end of it, while you're laying in bed. Uh, you you want to bet on the Browns game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> no. <laughs> I do need a nice dinner at uh, Morton's Steakhouse. <laughs> Would be great. Um, so. Um, so these kids, these kids in my cabin, they're all like, they grew up in like, leave it to beaver houses, the worst thing they ever have seen or done. I mean, like, it's just, but this kid came from the outside. Okay. So he, he, um, he, he was, was a sinner. He was a sinner. <laughs> he was just very different than all my kids and just kind of crazy. And like that, I don't know. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> Normal. <laughs> my, my, my people didn't know, my kids didn't know what to do with it. And then. So they had free time. So we went up to a counselor meeting and me and this other counselor, we walked back into our cabin. Okay. And all of my church, all my CMA kids, they're all in a circle around this kid who's in the middle of the circle and he's ripping the Bible oh, up geez. like page by page, ripping the Bible. Wow. Up. And you would think my kids are in the exorcist. Like they think this kid is demon possessed. Uh, they're like, they're all standing around going, you're ripping up. <laughs> like, like their whole world is imploding. Sure. Like, wow. they're just like, you're the devil. It's <laughs> a scarring so moment for them. Oh, all. That, yeah. I, I'm sure they tell it in therapy all the time, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it is, it was unbelievable moment to like, they were just like, they were like, some of them were like against the wall, making the sign of the cross. <laughs> you know, they're like, You're a vampire. Oh, wow. You know, so it was, it was just, it was funny now and, and, and kind of crazy. I don't know what happened to that kid, but, um, his last name is Dahmer. Um, I'm not quite sure. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, Jeffrey Dahmer, did you realize Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian before he died? It's an amazing story. Yeah, he's from Akron, Ohio, dude. Yeah, of the pastor who spent his pastor who spent years with him 
and he actually came to Christ. It's an amazing story. He wrote a book about it. the pastor wrote a book about Dahmer's wow. conversion. Anyway, how do we get on that? But so anyway, that's my Bible story. We just had one in culture too. Yeah. Uh, the guy um, opening prayer for the House of Representatives or whatever was seventeenth. Um, he had a nice yeah. prayer to the monotheistic God and to Brahma. Brahma, and then he used a great Bible word to close his close his prayer by saying amen and a woman and i was like what <laughs> what what would, what just happened like i'm not quite sure what that was uh amen is not a gender term nope, amen no. means so be it not mm-hmm. she be it or he be it but but so, so be it. it and uh that was a very bizarre i that was one of the top that's got to be in the top two or three weird Bible moments I've had in a, in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And for somebody who has, you know, who's served uh, as a minister of the word, <clears throat> the Methodist church to, uh, <laughs> to, to do, to do that is, you know, just even more shocking. Like he was Mike's mentor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was not my mentor. You know, like, I mean, yes. if it was, Mike I, was I, his mentor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was just some kind of, I had, I'm not just some Joe Schmo yeah. got up it there. Does go, it shows you guys right. though, the, the challenge of faith and culture right now. Yeah. Right. It is so hard to, to live out your faith and culture. Right. I'm sure our listeners feel that, mm-hmm. that to even mention Jesus or faith or church or mm-hmm. anything right now, it's so hard. And obviously yep. that, that pastor was trying to figure out a way to connect with culture that way mm-hmm. um, in a way that was really not logical or appropriate. Yeah. And it brings into my, it brings, it brings Mike's credentials into uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Into question. Into question. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. We're kidding, no, Mike. No We're just kidding. We're having fun. But anyway, so Dan Kimball's going to come on and Dan uh, has got some great things to say. You're going to enjoy this interview with Dan Kimball. So thanks for being us with us here on post-christian pastors we're gonna take a break we'll be back with dan kimball and arm nelson in just a moment Hi, Mark. I got a all right welcome back here on post-christian pastors hey really excited about today's guest um so excited to have him on and uh, interview him. He's a friend and uh, a colleague, and got to do different things with him. And and actually, I was this guy's roommate a couple times when we were uh, speaking for you special days. But let me introduce you to Dan Kimball. Dan is an author of several books on leadership, church, and culture. Uh, he's wrote some great books on uh, like emerging church and different things like that. And you should pick up his books. He was one of the founders of Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California, where he still serves on the staff there. He's also a faculty member at Western Seminary and leads the Regeneration Project, which exists to equip and encourage new generations to think theologically and participate in the mission of the church. He's married to Becky, has two daughters, Katie and Claire, just celebrated an anniversary uh, just last week. He has a master's degree from Western Seminary and a doctorate degree from George Fox University. And most importantly is the next part of this list, Dan, uh, which makes you, in my estimation, one of the coolest pastors in America. 
in a good way, in a good way. Okay. Not like one of those hip, very cool, trying to be cool pastors, <laughs> but Dan, Dan loves comic art, punk and rockabilly, rockabilly music, big band, jazz, pre 1960 gospel roots, music, Ford Mustangs, bowling, sun records and 1930s through 1950s universal monster movies very specific there so welcome dan kimball how are you i'm doing uh, really well in sunny santa cruz california oh. the other side of the country oh that's a killer right there you're gonna start that way huh because we're in uh, it, is, it is cold here so we're up in northern california about 70 80 miles south of san francisco but it's a beach town so nice. and I grew up in New Jersey, I think you might remember. I, and so I'm uh, used to uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey land and weather and everything. And else. grayness and grayness <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and humidity. And hum yeah, well, and well, summer. well, welcome, Dan. I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to see you. I'm, I'm looking at you on Zoom. I know they're not they're not seeing you, but so good to see you. And man, that list at the end there really impressive. I mean, that's some cool stuff. A, a couple years ago. We had this guy named Ray Kanata on. You probably never heard of him. Um, he is uh, a pastor in New Orleans, and uh, he's in the Rolling Elvi, which is like a Mardi Gras. It's a crew. Crew that dresses up like Elvises. Uh. And he was in a documentary called, he was in a documentary called uh, The Man Who Ate New Orleans. He uh, ate in every restaurant that wasn't a chain in New Orleans. And uh, if we put the two of you together, it would be the mm. ultimate coolness. The two of you need to meet. You would love each other. I think you would get along. Yeah, lot. well, uh, I mean, you can't because we're on a podcast, but I'll twist my thing to see it yeah. right there. Uh, see that? Yeah. That's a signed photo of the Million Dollar Quartet. Johnny Cash signed it. Carl Perkins signed it. Johnny uh, Jerry Lee Lewis signed it. Elvis didn't. But yeah. um, <laughs> I, I have that signed there. So, yeah, it's very real. Very that cool. is pretty cool. That is There's amazing. my bowling pin. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Nice. Well, I'm so telling you I'm, what, uh, like the two of you together, the yeah. coolness factor would be off off the charts. Dan, just so you know, our other host, Mike, who's not with us today, um, we've decided that Mark has a serious man crush on you. So just <laughs> just beware. <laughs> uh, he's my friend. He's I my know. friend. Well, I mean, uh, you can we, have a man Mark crush on your and friend. I, we've had... There, there is some really, uh, I mean, I still love what your specialties does. And there was a, a several years, you know, where we were connecting yeah. pretty regularly and had the same heart for, you know, think thoughtful youth ministry in the yeah. midst of everything. So whatever it was, we connected on that. And you were one of like the, the joys of every time we'd be, I mean, for, Thank you. We, we probably went to like a dozen or I know. Months, yeah, it was. Well, thank and, you very much. That's a very oh, nice yeah. compliment. Thank I you. It's a joy to always uh, chat with. Thank you, man. Hey, well, listen, we're going to talk about your brand new book. Uh, first time in five years. I missed you. Missed you writing. And uh, you wrote this uh, great book called How Not to Read the Bible. How Not to Read the Bible. In the intro part, we were talking about how. Um, this is a series of um, things we've been doing called lost in America. And we talked about being lost in the Bible. A lot of people have either been lost in the Bible or lost the Bible um, <laughs> from their life. Um, so you wrote this great book called how not to read the Bible, making sense of the anti women, anti science, pro violence, pro slavery, and other crazy sounding parts of scripture. So incredibly intriguing. Uh, somewhat different than your other books. So tell me, why, Dan, why'd you write this book? What, what was the driving uh, reason you wanted to write this book? 
Yeah, I mean, you said it. You said it very correctly. What's the, it's what's different about the other books, and that's also the same, is that being in youth, I wasn't raised in a uh, in a church or Christian environment, and came into the Christian faith from the outside, right? And during my college years, and it, and and for those that have had this experience, you know, it, I hope you never ever ever lose the perspective of what it's like looking in from the outside. Mm to Christian beliefs, faith, church culture, and everything else. So I think all the other writings I've done have always been seeing the disconnect that grows at different seasons and generations between church ministry and uh, uh, and younger generations in particular. And I think what, what this book is, is the methodology, I mean, what's changed a lot even since when we've been at youth specialties and things, is churches have caught up on how to do... Uh, you know the band the, the music's all contemporary you know it's not like hey the, the band's boring for right. the most part we have we have videos and smoke and lights and <laughs> no one complains about that the parking lots we've gotten figured out you know right of good parking people <laughs> and so you know and i think there's uh, the really important stuff well it well right but it is what we have focused on. You yeah, know, a lot yeah. of churches we have focused on a lot of those things and needed so you don't see too many complaints like um you know the preaching's not relevant and we haven't figured out how to do good graphics and, but here's what's been going on because my i guess passion is always seeing what is missing from a, a mission-oriented focus to those that are outside of the church or younger generations and it's not methodology anymore now it's theology uh, mm. much more so i mean you can always say church is theology which is true but I would say, like, there's a growing sense of of misunderstanding of the Christian faith and the Bible in particular, and what's even happening at a an alarming faster rate because of the internet, is the Bible is being used to discredit the Bible. The Bible is being used to actually paint Christianity as evil in many ways, mm-hmm. and that and that's from the outside looking in perspective and confusing younger Christians as well, and that's been the motive behind it because there's a lot of accusations today. You know, there's billboards in South Carolina or different places that'll say, you know, uh, slaves obey your masters with a Bible verse and mm-hmm. a really horrible graphic, or yeah. you know, Bible yeah. verses that are being put up from First Samuel 15 that'll say infants i'm sorry god commands kill infants children and women like very clear from the scriptures saying and then you'll see you're seeing all of these memes and graphics and uh being posted up with bible verses that are now causing if i'm not a christian i'd be looking at that and like that's in the bible like why would i ever want to believe right. in god who's endorsing slavery blah 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 mm-hmm. and, and all these younger christians that are like i didn't know that was in there uh, <laughs> and I can tell, I'll tell you some stories about it, but that's been the pressing urgency, which ended up writing this was from kind of the need. I almost couldn't right. help but write it because this is what's going on. So the question, the question, like I, I'm, you know, when we were reaching like kind of younger people generation ago was, is the Bible relevant? But, but really now it, what you're saying, it sounds like, like, is the Bible dangerous? Yeah. Is the Bible evil? What was seen as a good book is now starting to be seen as an evil book. There's actually a website out called evilbible.com. If you look that up, it kind of summarizes a lot of what I'm saying. And I've talked to two people who have had their faith 
um, lost or at least temporarily lost right uh, through that actual website and what they wow. have uncovered when they ended up seeing that website um, ultimately wow. you know th- mark this is like back even back a long time ago we started seeing this because the internet did change things when I've been in ministry as you said long enough for 30 30 years you know and, yeah and then seeing um, you know trends come and go and and uh, you know, and stylistically things come and go and all of that and even sort of topics might come and go but what happens is with this is i remember when i was leading young adult ministry uh, called graceland at santa cruz bible church here in town yeah. that there i started getting a bunch of emails uh from someone that was asking these detailed questions about leviticus you know and saying you mentioned this but you know what about this and very obscure sort of things and they were about these kind of passages and i took all the time to answer them i sent an email back and i said you know here's what i've discovered and researched for you and i got like an email back like 60 seconds later here's another question and i did this like three <laughs> times and i finally said like can we please meet up and i ended up meeting with the guy and it was a junior hire and what the junior hire was doing he was finding on the internet Bible verses that were dealing with slavery, dealing you know with horrible things about women, uh, you know the very anti-women sounding verses, all of the obscure Levitical verses about you know don't eat shrimp and those things, and he was sending them to me, and he was finding them as a junior hire online, and then asking the questions, and that was my first awareness of this was like, you know it changes things where, uh, you know this was way this was what ten years ago or more so. Um, it, it, it's definitely changed, and the prominence of a lot of this anti-Bible rhetoric, anti-Bible, um, the verses that are being pulled out, it's becoming really common. So that's why it's not just kind of a side issue or, or just one for the apologetics folks kind of a thing. Right. Yeah, Dan, it's interesting that you mentioned that we had Mark Matlock on our last episode, and he was mentioning something similar that he experienced recently Um um, you're so- talking about 10 years ago, and he was kind of pointing to the fact that, you know, a lot of young people in particular, and I don't think it's just young people, honestly, but people are going to Google to find their answers to, like, questions they have. And he said he got into this discussion with a young guy, and he had this fully built-out argument about, like, that about, uh, you know, these questions about Christianity. And Mark's like, how is this kid, like, you know, Mark's like, this kid's not quite doesn't have that, you know, acumen to be able to pull this together and found, found a website where he literally pulled everything kind of word for word off of and had been kind of discipling him. Um, how how do you see your book kind of helping, you know, any any believer, uh, pastors, uh, folks leading uh, folks in small groups or others that could that, that help in that type of setting where we're kind of seeing that type of... Um, uh, formation going on uh, in folks that we might be interacting with. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a you know the my acknowledgments in the beginning say like I theologians are rock stars to me and scholars. So we lean a lot on scholars and theologians for information. And then, but what happens is a lot of well, again, it depends on who. But I'll say a lot of pastors and youth pastors, young adult pastors are very very busy and not necessarily you know doing the deeper research on things. And uh, and unless they're forced to, some are interested, but I'd say the majority, you know, study, of course, 
-hmm. But what I tried to do was basically what are the top pressing questions that keep getting repeated? Mm. And there's five of them. You know, it goes to the anti-slavery versus the violence versus the anti-women ones, the anti-science ones, the ones that focus on uh, the exclusivity of Jesus in a multicultural global religion you know environment and and so i broke it down for for teachers small groups uh pastors teaching a sermon or, or sermon series to have like here's six clean weeks six clean topics six there's an introductory week about bible study methods to be able to look at in a very easy practical way and next month uh in january zondervan will be posting um, they're free. They'll be just videos with not me in it, so it's not gonna be like Dan talking. It'll just be <laughs> animated, animated videos to help set up the topic for youth leaders and such. And we're also putting all the graphics on slides. Cool. And I've said this, and I really mean it. You know, I got a couple boxes in these books. Anybody that can't afford one, I will, I will send one to them because I'm, I feel this is one of the most important things that we need to pay attention to in today's culture and world. If you're in church ministry, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's incredibly helpful and important. I do I do see that as a huge need. I think, you know, just, you know, an understanding of of the Bible in general. I think, you know, we talked about this with Mark last week is just kind of becoming less and less. I I haven't had a chance to to re, I'll be completely upfront and honest. You know, I, I I'm the kid who didn't do the homework assignment, so I haven't read. But I <laughs> I did look at at your website and I found it really uh, helpful and interesting and encouraging that you know you have some great you know th- uh, kind of theologians and uh, that have endorsed the book. But the one of the ones one of the some of the endorsements I found most helpful and interesting were that you have a couple of uh, atheists and unbelievers who've endorsed the, <laughs> the book. And, and I thought that was a, a really interesting, uh, to see that, um, you know, that there's, they see this as, as is even one of the, one of the guys even said how helpful this was to actually, you know, understand what the Bible is actually, actually teaching. And, um, how would you, how would you, uh, encourage kind of, you know, the, the average reader coming to this book, how would you encourage uh, us to, uh, to look at, um, at the Bible in general and particularly what you're trying to, uh, help us with in this, in this book? Yeah. How are we reading yeah. it wrong? Right. Yeah, how right. are we reading the Bible wrong? Well, I mean, I could say this for Christians, including myself. I'm, I'm just as guilty of this as, uh, anyone in the years. You know, I think in the past we could focus on, um, you know, extracting Bible verses that were helpful and positive generally. We could, you know, focus on, you know, Daniel and the lion's den stories, the Sermon on the Mount, like things that we'd be very, you know, they're super helpful, wonderful teachings. But what we didn't do was kind of the opposite. We didn't focus too much on the very strange, bizarre, extremely disturbing passages that are in there. And because we didn't, it then catches Christians off guard. Even if you've read it through, I mean, I've, there's so many stories of I might have like read it, but I don't pay attention to it. And so I think the church has. I'm just reading it to guilty. mark off the, to check off yeah. that I read the yeah my Bible well, you, today. We, right? we put really nice Bible verses up on coffee mugs, you know, like you know, <laughs> be still and know I'm God. But then we don't have a coffee mug, you know, that'll say, you know, put to death the women, children, and uh, and infants, you know, and have that on the coffee mug. I think 
say with uh, you know the coffee mug illustration where we can pull out verses that are very wonderful verses and calming ones, be still and know that I'm God, or ones that are we want to focus on. Yet we've been guilty of not of kind of almost per, poor hermeneutics of sometimes extracting verses and then not looking at their context and the whole story of where they fit in the Bible storyline and who are they written to. And now what's going on is the opposite to where now the evil sounding verses are being pulled up and focused on. And many Christians are being caught off guard because they've never put attention to them. There's a young guy that was raised in a, uh, a really good church and um, he was involved in the youth group. He led music. He, uh, and then he went to college at, at the university here in town and he was part of the university group on campus and he was the leader and then he was studying the book of Exodus. And the university leader uh, contacted me. The, the fellow wasn't part of our church, but said, hey, can you meet with this guy? And it turned out that what he had done was as he was studying Exodus, he started seeing things that he never necessarily paid attention to. He heard of the Ten Commandments and, and, you know, and the Ten Plagues and all of that. But then as a young adult, he started asking like, wait a minute, God killed all of these, the firstborn of the Egyptians. And then he remembers, he said this, Herod killed the under two-year-olds in Bethlehem, and that was evil and horrible. And then all of a sudden he asked the question, why is it okay for God to do it? Right. And then Herod, it wasn't. And that confused him. Like, it's a good question. And then he started seeing, and he, he wrote a letter. I have a copy of the letter. In fact, I put some of the lines uh, in, in the, the book, book with yeah. his permission. You know, and then he said, um, what about the slavery verses? Like, as in a young adult now, he's saying, like, I did never really thought about this. The Bible certainly looks like it's an approval of slavery. And then he looked up other, right, and he's one of the guys that looked up evilbible.com, and then he was flooded with stuff. And here's what happened. This is the saddest part. He went to his mom and dad, who he loves, and still, and they couldn't answer him. They're like, oh, like, that's in the Bible? Like, never really thought about it. Now, picture being a young guy and all of a sudden your parents who ingrained faith in you and modeled probably a really good Christian faith, mm -hmm. never thought about these things. And then he asks his youth leader and the youth leader and the other leaders he was asking is like, we're not really sure in heaven one day we'll find out. And he <laughs> yeah. said he couldn't, he couldn't in intellectually with integrity accept that which then caused him to go to deeper dives and the more he found the more things started unraveling mm -hmm. and and you hear the deconstruction stories and yeah. very often there might of course there's more going on than right. in deconstruction stories than just the bible mm -hmm. but you will hear the bible used a lot in these deconstruction now, now, stories now let me ask you a question and we'll get to marv uh, has a question for you but this is a little bit off the book, but I think it is relevant to the book is what do you make of all of these very recent deconversion deconstruction stories by what people would consider some prominent Christians? What, what do you make of that? What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I have known, I don't know some of the, you know, the well-known ones. I've never right. directly talked to some of them, but I know others that are not well-known that have had similar experiences. And I have listened to the interviews uh, and I think, you know, often it's, I started wondering about this and why do Christians believe this? And then looking into the Bible and then often, you know, the, what's the, the two guys, I forget, our daughters knew who they were, Rhett. What, yeah. The two guys that do the podcast. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. yeah. I can't and remember I watched the both name of them. 
you know, and they brought up science in the Bible and, mm. and weren't all, they intervarsity guys? Weren't they like intervarsity? Yeah, at yeah one the point? Campus Crusade. I, I yeah, think. or Campus Crusade. Yeah. Um, so, in other words, fully immersed in ministry. Right now, I, I, this is where I don't know, and I don't without talking to them, I don't know sure. this, you know. But I don't know how you could be a a Christian longer term without having those questions come up earlier, you know, about um, you know, the, uh, yeah. violence in the Bible and those things, you know, and you're hearing it a lot. So I don't know with every individual, I'm not talking about these guys now because I don't know them. Right. There's probably other stuff going on that's then saying like, I don't know about faith or maybe something's going on in my life. And then I can use the Bible, you know, as backing of, of uh, why I don't want to believe anymore. Right. Now I don't make a generalized statement, sure. because the, but yeah. We I think it. there's a lot of that because here's what I know. Um, you know, uh, Sean McDowell talked with that one fellow. Again, I'm so out of kind of some of the Christian pop stuff. <laughs> right. that, that one band, what's the band? You know, the band. Oh, he's yeah. Been like, uh, he's been like on every single apologist right. website now. I mean, podcast. Uh, you know, I'm out of that scene too, but I can't. Yeah, the, I do the know band had about. some sort of it was like Eagles, Eagles of Death. I forget. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the name. It was so not called band Eagles was. of Death, but I I do know. <laughs> no, the, but that sounds like you just yeah. created a new band no. called Eagles. I think of there death. is a band called Eagles of Death. Uh, <laughs> uh, Eagles of Destruction. I, I forget. There's um, he was in some band, Hawk. There's Hawk, Hawk, Hawk Nelson. Hawk. Hawk yeah, Nelson. Nelson right. Thank you. That was close to <laughs> okay. Eagles of Death. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So he's talking to Sean McDowell. I think he had two talks with him. Yeah. You know, Sean's brilliant and he would have intelligent responses to every single one of these. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a point where even if someone was to have, you know, rational responses to the scriptures, uh, that is out there, then someone saying, well, even if you did convince me, I probably have other reasons for not believing. Right. And, and I think there's that kind of in a lot of the stories. Um, and so what I'm hoping with this book, actually, is that if we can see young adult, I mean, all ages, but young adult leaders, youth pastors, parents getting trained, when these questions start surfacing, it won't be a blank stare or like, I didn't know that the stuff was in there. Mm -hmm. And so if we could proactively address these things and train better Bible study methods, you know, how not to read the Bible is basically don't, you know, piecemeal Bible stories and extract Bible verses in isolation, and uh, that we would then prevent some of the drifting that may end up leading to deconstruction if we address the critical issues of the Bible earlier on. So when they do hear it, they're not caught off guard. Yep. Marv, question. Yeah, it, it, uh, Dan, it sounds a lot like the reasons why I wrote a book called What Good is Jesus? Um, you know, asking those same types of questions. How can Jesus be good when all these different things are happening? Um, but I like this approach to, to the scriptures for sure. I, I, I am a fanboy because I have never met you, but I've read all of your books and have been encouraged by them. And they've helped me in ministry as I develop college students and <clears throat> other young adults. But I've noticed a change from, from the, the one book was the focus on they like Jesus, but not the church. Part of the reason why people were falling in disbelief in that time, and I agree with it, was because they were seeing Christians not living to the same level of the Bible. They were living hypocritically. Um, mm -hmm. When did you see the shift from focusing on the Christian to focusing on the Bible? 
And, you know, cause you, you did, I, I love what you said. You said, it's not about methodology anymore. It's about theology. When would you say you noticed that shift? Yeah, probably, I don't know. I mean, personally, probably over the course of the past 10 years, but increasingly the past five years or so. Um, and it, and it's primarily, you know, uh, on the internet, and I think that's the predominant way. That's why what I did in the book, as you've you've uh, seen, there, I put so many of the memes up. That yeah, there's are a bunch the of confusion. memes. I love it. Yeah. So all of the graphics that are there, you know, if I was a teacher, that's why I'm making slides just to give them away for anyone who wants <laughs> them with all of these graphics on them, right? To show them to your youth group or your church and say like, how do you answer this? Mm-hmm. And I just think there's an accelerated. Um, there's always been, when I say the word atheist, this is actually really important. When you say atheist, uh, there are, you know, probably like 98% of atheists are beautiful, wonderful, kind, uh, beautiful people that don't, aren't bothered with Christianity. That's just like something somebody believes right. and they just leave them alone. Right? And then there's 2% that are also probably loving and kind, but they also want to try to disprove Christians. And so mm-hmm. they are the ones that are then primarily putting up all of these graphics online and focusing on it and trying to cause Christians to, that don't know the Bible to un- have their faith undermined. And, uh, and so I think with that, and it's been like an accelerated increase. There's all of these deconversion, ex-evangelicals, like yeah. you just see them and it's just becoming more and more prominent. And so it's been the past couple of years and then it accelerates the more it's out there and it's catching younger people right at the very time of questioning, which is good, mm-hmm. but then we better be providing answers to these things uh, in that way. So I'd say, you know, little by little, but accelerating the past five years for sure. Well, Dan, let's, let's jump into one of these things. Okay. Like one of the things from the book, um, I don't know which one you think is most pressing maybe, or maybe the hottest topic in our culture. It might be maybe the pro slavery, um, issue, but let's pick one. You pick one, uh, and, and kind of, uh, walk us through kind of a little bit about what you wrote about one of these ways that one of these verses or one of these themes like anti-women, anti-science, pro-violence or pro-slavery, which one do you want to talk about? Yeah. Let me give an example that, I mean, what I can say is like, as you know, each one of these could be an entire book, could yeah. be an entire hour of just talking. Right. So, it's hard to say, like, you know, answer the slavery one in, you know, in, in two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not expecting you to answer everything, but yeah, which yeah. one you want to talk about? But l- let me give you an example, because you see this one used a lot in pop Christ- in pop celebrity c- uh, circles. Like, say the things like, don't eat shrimp. You know, like, the, 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 you'll see mocking of Christians, don't get tattoos, don't eat shrimp, um, don't don't eat pork, you know, and... Can't play and football because you got to touch the pig skin, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that... <laughs> right. So you'll see these. So I'm using more of an easier one yeah. because then you could apply the same how not to study Bible principles to all of these, right? Right. So say it's the, these where these very odd and strange verses about prohibiting people. And then it's flipped now on Christians. Like, look, your scriptures say don't eat pork don't touch the skin of a dead pig. So you're playing football. Don't, you know, don't eat, uh, you know, shellfish. Are you eating shrimp? You hypocrites. So you're choosing to pick and choose verses and then not obey other things that you don't want to do. 
and I get I I get see I, I see these with actual Bible verses. There's a website I think it's still up called GodHatesShrimp.com. So you're seeing it propagated a lot, rightfully so. I'd be like totally making fun of Christians if I didn't look into it, you know, be, um, if I didn't know. So the prince, so those the principles are where and, and the, there's four things that I write about: basic Bible study principles. You have to understand. Stand the Bible is a library, not a book. You have to understand that, and that means there's genres, time periods, specific audiences. Uh, a second one is the Bible is written for us, not to us. John Walton from Wheaton College has that statement. He's saying you got to look at who is originally written to, because mm-hmm. not all of it was written to us, but we right. can learn from it. That's so important, uh, but ignored in most of these cases. Never read a Bible verse by itself. Uh, Greg Kokel, a uh, well-known apologist, he came up with that phrase, and then all the Bible points to Jesus. So when you apply these in, going back to the shrimp and the football, you have to say <laughs> something like that. Who is it written to? Was it written to us today? No, it was written to the, the people of Israel after they were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, pulled out. There was no written scriptures yet, no written guidelines. They were going into a land that was filled with other people groups around them that were worshiping all types of different gods and and, and worship practices that were in total opposition to the, believing in one God of the Bible. Right. And they're wandering in the desert. God commanded specific laws for a certain people group during a certain time period, which had to do with dietary laws. Some were clothing restrictions. All of them had a meaning that was, if you were to live back then, it would have been like, oh, that makes sense. I understand what's being said. We look on it and it's bizarre sounding. And so you have to say, do these things apply to us today? You then say, all right, do they? Because God also says, don't murder. You follow that through the New Testament. You see, what did God continue to teach post-Jesus, you know, through what happened and what, what stays the same and carries on and what stops? You'll see that many of the moral laws and ethics do not murder didn't stop with Jesus. You know, right. we still don't murder today. He you ramped it up, through, actually. Things? He kind of ramped yeah, it up. No, he ramped it up. And you pay attention to, you know, it, it means you got to study. So you see in the New Testament, these are the things that Jesus and the rest of the New Testament writers through the Holy Spirit said to continue. These are the ones that don't matter anymore. So to to crit, to, to mock Christians to say, look, you're, you're not supposed to eat shrimp or do these things it's like you don't understand the bible because no those don't apply to us today other parts do but these don't and you have to put the effort to look into it but people at a face surface at a face value you don't know because you're not putting the and it sure looks great on a meme um I, yeah. I have a question about that. I mean, so as as pastors, you know, it's our job to disciple um uh, the people under us to look at context, to have proper hermeneutics. And it's our job to, to uh, provide proper homiletics while we preach. Uh, so my question is, where do you think the breakdown in discipleship ha- has been coming? Is it, is it a laziness on the pastor's side, the laziness on the discipler's side uh, or the disciplee? I mean, cause, cause really it's about training, right, Dan? I mean, we, how are we trained to read? That's why you wrote this book. It's training yep. uh, how to read. So where, you know, and I love what you said. You said, I feel like I had to write it because it just wasn't being done. Where where was the breakdown? And why do you think we are where we are, where people don't have proper hermeneutics or pastors don't preach uh, with proper homiletics? 
Yeah, and I was I'm guilty of this too, you know, just with uh with with things in the past. Um I think what's gone on, I mean, there's always been churches that have been super strong in Bible teaching and hermeneutics and everything. And I say right. this with great love and respect to those that have consistently held the faith through all of these years and been like hyper strong on this stuff. Often they're attracting the already Christians who are saying, I want something deeper and going or, or that there. And, and it's a different, so that this has been going on, you know, there have been churches that have been faithful in doing this the whole time. But I think for many of us, and this was me included, you know, you're so into wanting to see non-Christians become believers in Jesus. You start focusing on more of the felt kind of practical needs. You then see the, and this is real, like you see some of the larger churches that end up being our models of preaching that we kind of imitate. Most of them are giving excellent felt need sermons. Right. I don't see too much of this happening in those, in the largest churches that are out there, Again, some, I don't want to make a blanket statement for everybody, but when you start studying them, you don't see too many of the most popular churches that are out there today, you know, talking about the Levitical laws and, and why not eat shrimp, you know, or slavery. <laughs> you know, a lot of them are talking about, like, you know, how to make decisions, how to have a good marriage, how to um, not get in financial trouble. Like, and we're drawn to that. We need that. So I think it's just been over time, we've had a few, one or two generations that have not, have so cared about people that they focused more on the practical felt needs versus focusing on these issues of basic Bible study methods. And, you know, we focus more, I mean, bluntly, we focus more on laser lights and video venues and, and right. smoke and stuff. Then we, you know, which is great, you know, it can be great. That's all another discussion. Well, what, um, yeah. One of the things that I think that we've not done is we, most people have not been taught the narrative of the Bible either. Uh, right. They've totally, not been absolutely. taught the overarching narrative. I love that part in the book where you were kind of picking that out. I mean, I was taught that narrative uh, as, you know, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, that serves me so well uh, in so many ways uh, in ministry. But I think, like we did a series a couple of years ago called binge the Bible. And that's literally what we did. We taught the overarching narrative. And, uh, for so, for so many people that was like, like, Oh my gosh, I never heard this because right. we've taught these individual Bible stories, which have no connection. We, we can't, we, we didn't draw the lines for people. We didn't fill in the blanks to help them connect all those stories to actually mean something in an overarching narrative. I'm hoping from whoever listens to this that when you start, you know, when you start paying attention to something, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Like uh, my barber is not a Christian. He's about 30 years old. He's a really smart guy. And, um, and he knows I'm a Christian. We have lots of talks. Uh, I always, I never get my hair cut by a Christian because I always want to be in dialogue with somebody. Nice. Use the opportunity. He's not a Christian. And, um, and so what occurred was one day I go in there and he's like, Hey, I didn't know there was unicorns in the Bible. And I had not yet seen these memes and things about unicorns yet. Yeah. And so I'm like, what is like, No, there's Bible verses that say there's unicorns. And so I went back home, looked it up, you know, and then certain, sure enough, there's many Bible verses. There's eight or nine that, were, that, and you'll see graphics of unicorns and Bible verses right underneath. Most of them, they're all from the Old Testament, 
that'll have the word unicorn in it. And again, it's used to mock Christians. Look, you believe in unicorns. They're in your Bible. Don't you know they're in the Bible? Right. That was an easy one to solve. I'm like, I know <laughs> I primarily read the NIV for years and years. I don't ever remember reading the word unicorn. And it ended up being a simple thing to explain. You know, it was in 1611, King James translation, the word they didn't know what how to translate it at that time and what it meant. So they used the word because it meant it's some sort of one horned animal is so what the word unicorn. meant. They picked the word unicorn because they didn't know. Today, they'll use the word wild oxen. And most likely, there was prominent horned wild oxens at the time period when this was written, and that's what they're talking about. Right. But it certainly looks good today, you know, with a graphic of a unicorn <laughs> and a Bible verse underneath it to say, right. look, you Christians don't even know that. That's an easy one to answer because it was basically a, an obvious Bible translation issue that happened in 1611 that current Bibles will still actually keep it in there, unfortunately. And then they use it for memes and graphics and all of that. Now, there are narwhals, so, you know, you're not too far yeah. off. <laughs> well, we have issues like, all right, all right, no unicorns, but you Christians believe in a rib woman. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you believe in a talking snake and a magical tree. You yeah. Know, like, you know, there's so, so when I'm saying it at that, at surface, and that's what you'll see, you know, talking snake, and they'll put a graphic of uh, Harry Potter talking snake, you know, Jungle Book talking snake, and then mm -hmm. you'll see a little graphic of, of Adam and Eve talking snake, like, all right, you don't believe in these two. Why in the world would you believe, believe in this in one? Right. Talking about the Bible. And of course, I look at that. I'm like, oh, I never really thought about this. Why do we believe in talk? But here's the good news. Here's the hope. I, I really believe that people want to know how to de deal with this. Like it's an exciting time because now we can kind of catch up for those of us that need to catch up and put, put a meme like that on your, you know, on your church screen when you're teaching and say like, Right. Why do we think it was it a talking snake? You know, like a talking snake, like we're picturing here, kind of, you know, cartoon, total fiction. What was really going on there? Right. What is Eve a, a rib woman? Um, you know, what what's with the shrimp? And can we really touch a dead? Uh, why can't we play football touching the dead uh, skin of a dead pig? Right. But here's like, right. This is why it's almost like madness to me. And it's sad because so many people, um, you know, if you're missionaries or if, if I'm not a Christian, I totally get this. I'd be looking, I'd be seeing these memes with Bible verses and I'd be like, I can't believe what they believe. Like, I'm not going to be interested in this. And then if I have a conversation with a Christian, like, I don't know, I didn't know what was in there. I would stay away from the faith. I'd be like, I don't believe, I can't believe this stuff's in there. And the Christians don't even know it's in there. Mm -hmm. um, so I understand this, but there's answers. And here's what's crazy to me is like, you know, that um, about, was it 10 years ago or so, the, the TV show West Wing was popular. And there's a scene where the president of the United States in the movie, Martin Sheen, is kind of chastising and mocking a Christian radio show host. Same exact thing, using these Bible verses. And he says, so I can't, so I can't, Notre Dame has to put on gloves to play football. And then he quotes Leviticus, don't touch the skin of a dead pig. And, and it, no, she looks at him stunned. I don't know how to answer. She sits down. He's the victor. He used the Bible verses and condemns this woman because she doesn't know there's a Bible verse that says you can't play football. Right. Now, think of this. That verse made it from a script writer to, uh, to whoever approved the scripts in a, a Golden Globe award winning show that's seen by millions of people, made it past the discussion of the actors 
that we're, we're talking it all through and rehearsed it. Yeah. Then they're filming it and all the extra camera guys and everybody that nobody says like, wait a minute, um, footballs are not made of pigskin, right? Like uh, that that's a nickname. Uh, and, yeah. and so the whole idea was one, it was a restrictive law about touching the skin of a dead pig for many reasons that we could go into another, you know, it's about Levitical, Levitical law things. But how did that pass all of these people? Because pig, footballs are not made of pigskin. So the whole thing isn't even an argument and nobody picks up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet it, it yet it's used to mock Christians and certainly at a surface glance feels like, oh my gosh, that's in the Bible. What a ridiculous Bible that is. I can't believe in this stuff. So let me ask you a question that you might not get a lot. Um, where where have you, I mean, I, I know like Dan, you I, we've had many talks about, you know, holding to the inspiration of scripture and different things that we talked about while, when the whole emergent church thing was happening and, you know, people kind of moving towards a more progressive bent or mm-hmm. things like that. But where, where have you struggled with the Bible? What, where have you, what have been your personal struggles, even as a pastor with the Bible, some of the hard things yeah. you've had yeah. to wrestle Yeah, no, what I'm saying, like whenever, I, and I say this all throughout the book, you know, like um, what I never want to also um, ever say is like, boy, there's just three quick little, I mean, some of the ones like unicorns or the skin of a dead pig and those, <laughs> those are pretty easy to answer. Right? Right. Those are like obvious answers. The ones that are not as obvious, and, and to me, I still, uh, and I share this struggle in the book, is especially the violence passages. Those are the ones that are most difficult uh, to understand um, because, you know, just you can't explain away, you know, that God actually ordered the killing of human beings mm-hmm. and God himself killed people, you know, in mass. Uh, we don't know all the specific numbers. We can make est- you know, estimates. You know, in the church, we see you go to a children's room and there's Noah Noah's Ark, and there's all the animals, and Noah's happy on the Ark. Right? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of dead people flo- floating in the water. Yeah, what we don't see, you know, picture walking into the children's <laughs> room, and there's all these dead bodies floating in the water. You know, yeah. Um, yet, you know, and there's different ways of looking at the flood, obviously, and sure. different things. But but all of this, it's very clear that God chose to use violence, and for different reasons in the Bible, and involved infants and children and women you're like that's the verses so that is a struggle that i still have and i will always have and i hope any human in fact anybody you should struggle yeah yeah i i have i mean sadly and i understand you'll you'll hear from christians well god's god if you want to kill people he can i'm like all right yes that's true god can do whatever he wants but man it's a gut-wrenching thing to read but here's for me um uh, how I think of this is I've, I, when you know, like you said earlier, the importance of the whole Bible storyline, right? Right. I see because I've put time into, and I hope everybody does, you know, into studying Genesis through Revelation, you know, over and over, know this Bible storyline. You see that God is a God of compassion, love, loving, forgiveness, patience, pleading with people, please to turn to Him. You know, you don't see these acts of violence done randomly, or it was never genocide against. It was like all those are incorrect understandings. You know, the, it was like strategic surgery and military strikes that had purposes throughout history. And uh, and when you know the big story of the whole God, 
I don't understand sometimes when he used violence, but I trust him knowing the full Bible story and how he interacted with human beings throughout all of history with grace, love, patience, pleading with people to turn to him, you know, throughout all that history. And so that's how I personally, I have confidence in, in that. And, uh, and that is the most, the most struggling issue. There are ones like, why didn't he abolish slavery totally? And there's other right. questions there. And you can come up with pretty good understandings of why, one, you have to define what was slavery. We can't read our yeah. modern understanding of things into the text. That's another whole topic. But yeah. uh, but again, it's that's how. And I, I will, to this day, still struggle with, boy, I wish that didn't have to happen. But the cross is violence. So <laughs> right. God used violence for purposes in history, but we trust in his character when you read the whole Bible story. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. It's been a year like no other um, in ministry. You've been in ministry over 30 years. Um, I'm on year 31, I think. Um, and so uh, what 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 coming in, I mean, this is kind of a shift away from the book a little bit, but you know, looking back on 30 years and maybe even this year too, uh, what are you most like disappointed in, in the church, um, uh, in the, in the church, uh, as a whole in America? And then what are you most hopeful for? Like, where do you see really hopeful things, uh, for the church? Cause I think a lot of people listening to this, some are pastors, many are just Christians and, and maybe they're dealing with some disappointment, discouragement. Uh, but w- so what has been most disappointing for you that maybe even the pandemic highlighted for you yeah. and what has been most hopeful? Well, I think probably, uh, again, I'll, I'll say I'm guilty of this too. Sure. So I'm not saying like those other people, right. you know, but I think, yeah. you know, overall, I think what we've done is out of good intent in the church, I alluded to this earlier, want, it's the same thing that some of the, you know, like some of the missional folks raised as problems, but didn't address how to really answer the problems. Like they saw prophetically saw these, you know, the, the whole cliche of we're creating consumers. I think we've made church. We focus so much on church, making sure this, the sermons are relevant and there's, you know, openings. I mean, even seeing how we're being taught how to teach. Generally, you got to have your five minute opening story. That's to grab their attention. Right. And then you have your this minute and this part. Like, I understand all of that. And that's important. Um, and, you know, we're, we focus a lot on pragmatic things of making sure people are in our churches and how to get them connected in community. And, and even the justice stuff, we've put a lot of effort needing needing uh catching up and needing to do so about justice but then we're not teaching people basic bible study methods we're not teaching them the overarching storyline of the whole bible we're not teaching them to be like in hebrews it says by now some of you ought to be teachers you need to utter self-feed from the scriptures and not be so dependent on christianity i think even with all of the trends with online church we've redefined church to make it a a um, kind of like almost like an app that we can use for our needs whenever we want to every now and then. Mm-hmm. So I think the church has really taught incorrect understanding of scripture, uh, incorrect understanding of what the church is, and been making church so convenient, 
it's now coming back to us in so many ways that the pandemic is showing of who's really in your churches and who isn't like, yeah. So that's probably my biggest disappointment. And I've been guilty of it in the past for sure. Yep. What's your, what are you most hopeful for? And my hope is that once you recognize this, the gospel is life changing. The gospel is that Jesus came, he taught, he uh, taught, you know, who God is. It was, he was God incarnate, which means in the flesh died on the cross, took our sin on rose again from the right. dead forgiven like that's that's never changing and i believe the more this is my hope the more we're teaching and i think hopefully the change is going to be like instead of being so relevant we're going to be relevant but we're going to be teaching the scriptures and the good news of the gospel and there's people who probably aren't even christians or in churches and they're benefiting of the convenience of it and the social needs and the health practical health but they never understood the true gospel and i think there's great change i've been super you know tim mackey and John Collins from the Bible Project. They're a great example. Yeah, pretty cool. Because, you know, Tim, I, we mentioned earlier, I'm part of something called the Regeneration Project, which has been kind of this, about seven years ago, we started uh, wanting to do something to encourage youth leaders and pastors to get theology in younger generations. And Tim has been every, part of every single one of them. He helped me design the first one. This was right before the Bible, Bible Project started. But what you're seeing is that... Um, uh, Tim hasn't been the last one, so sorry, but all of the other ones. Yeah. The uh, but he, what you'll see them this great interest in. Oh my goodness, they're focusing on the Bible storyline. You're reading, you're seeing there's videos, and there's like, I never knew the Bible could be like this. So I think we just the hope is shifting it, bringing attention to the right things, and people's lives will be changed, and then we won't have as much of this fallout because we've been with catch up to the teaching like we have with lights and videos and all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things I was, well, I noticed similarly uh, when I was working with college students at the university of Pittsburgh are these, these straw men arguments similar to the straw men, you know, memes that you're throwing out there and just how easy it was for them because they didn't have that basis of theology to just, Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, this is just all wrong. Um, so I really appreciate what you've done and what you continue to do uh, with this book and with your passion. Uh, so thank you, Dan. Cool, Dan. Hey, thanks for, thanks for uh, sharing that stuff. And thanks for being here before you go. Uh, we want to play a game with you. How about that? All right. We play a game with usually all our guests. Okay. Okay. Now this game is geared specifically for you. And I didn't tell you what the questions are ahead of time, but I'm going to call this game the cooler game. So this is which one is cooler, all right? Which one of these right. things are cooler? Because I set up the beginning, you're one of those cool pastors. Not cool in a bad way. I like you because you're cool in an eclectic way. And okay. so uh, so I'm going to give you uh, 11 questions, all right? So you got to pick which one Dan Kimball thinks is cooler, all right? Oh boy, all right. And I, <laughs> I'm nervous because... Uh, Sometimes cool is subjective. Uh, no, this is my, just for you. My vantage point. This is your it. vantage yeah. point. That's okay. all, right? So these are written for you. So cue the music. Here we go in post-production. And number one, which one is cooler, Marvel Comics or DC Comics? Marvel. Oh, nice. I'm also a Marvel guy. Uh, what not. about what about you there, uh, Marv? Marvel or DC? I, uh, I think DC, but I do love Marvel. Uh, but I grew up on DC, so... 
Well, if you look right behind me, can you see? I mean, for yeah. seeing my video, yeah. there's a signed. Uh, I have Stan Lee and Jack Kirby signed things up on the wall. But then I also have uh, Bob Kane signed. Yeah, Batman so you've got ba- you've got the okay. you've got the so Trinity. I, you've got the holy can, comic yeah. trim- Trinity. So I'm saying Marvel with a um, with <laughs> caveat. a uh, caveat to Bob Kane of both. Yeah. All right, yeah. so we go with Marvel on that. All right, number two, which one is cooler, vinyl cassettes or eight tracks? Eight tracks. Ooh, that is a surprise. I thought for sure you were gonna go vinyl. Um, I would say vinyl, but eight tracks are kind of. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I haven't yet personally gone back to vinyl and using vinyl yeah. and all of that. I'm, I'm more into the convenience of MP3s and digital right now for music. But um, eight tracks are just fun to hold in your hand. Most people don't even, might, might even know what we're talking about, you know. Yeah. Like these <laughs> clunky things, you know. And like there were yeah, look about. it up. Google it. Yep. All right, number three, California or Oregon? Oregon, uh, Oregon. Such good friends in Oregon. I know. Uh, <laughs> California um, or Oregon? Uh, I'll say one. the air, the uh, the the former carpet in the airport in Portland was cooler than the California carpets. Oh, um, so you're gonna go with Oregon? Uh, I'm fond of Oregon, but I'm not <laughs> fond of the weather. Okay. So uh, that, we'll call that one a tie. How about that? That'll be a tie. All right. Uh, and along those lines, New Jersey or New York? New Jersey. All right. You are a Jersey boy. Mm-hmm. So going with Jersey on that. All right, number four. Uh, that was kind of a two-part or three. Number four, Henry Nowen or Eugene Peterson? I'd say uh, Henry Nowen for okay. for reasons. Yep. All right, I'm Henry. Henry Nowen. Number five or number four B. Tolkien or Lewis? Um, these are difficult ones. I know. I gave you some. Gut, my gut reaction is I read so much C.S. Lewis, but I also love Tolkien. So I think for literature, I I choose Tolkien. Okay, Tolkien. All right. Okay, number five, bowling shoes or bowling shirts? Which ones are cooler? Uh, bowling shoes in today's world. Nice. Now, how many bowling shirts do you have with your name on it? Any? Well, I had one, but I used to have a stock of bowling shirts for sure. Yeah. Nice. Um, I was like, I, I wore so many of them in earlier years. Okay. But, but, I, but I do have my own bowling shoes with flames on them and everything now. Nice. Now, we know that you're a drummer. You were a drummer, right? Yes. So, I number th- drum set in the living room. Number six, Roger Taylor, the, gum, the drummer from Queen, Queen, or Keith Moon from The Who? Uh, Keith Moon. Keith Moon. That was easy. You just yeah, I love both. I love both. Yeah. I'd say Keith Moon. Just boom, Keith Moon. Here's more unique. Unique and more of a pattern setter for drumming style. Nice. Have you ever met any really uh, well-known drummers? Yeah. I mean, well, because I'm a fan, you know, I will, yeah. I have, uh, I have, I collect signed drumsticks and I've written so many of, you know, you can write the guitarist and the singer, they may not respond if you're writing, but yeah. like the drummer is like, hey, so um, somebody I noticed have, me. I have, a t- I have a Roger Taylor signed drumstick. I don't have a Keith Moon drumstick. I have, and I've contacted many drummers and had dialogue with them of well-known bands, and uh, and I have a ton of uh, uh, a ton of uh, paraphernalia signed by drummers. Very cool. Very cool. All right, uh, number seven pick a decade that's cooler the 50s or the 60s 1950s no or well, 1960s right. 
um, the, stylistically, musically, the 50s by far, though the 60s caused revolution in race and you know in race and things that started making change. Right. So, but if you're looking at simply fashion style music, 50s, 50s. 100,000 fold. <laughs> All right. Let me give you a, a, an obscure Christian music question. All right, here we go. Altar boys or one bad pig? Uh, altar boys are the altar boys are the coolest, the coolest of cool Christian bands that ever existed in the history of contemporary Christian music. Um, nice. And they also have an ongoing band called Altar Billies. My oh. stand continued, and they now do rockabilly. So they're altar oh, billies, but amazing. altar boys, altar boys were actually sort of faith saving to me when I got sucked into Christian subculture and all I thought was that at that time you had very bad kind of what I thought music and the altar boys were like a ray of hope and they really were meaningful to me so altar boys very cool what about you Marv you got a favorite uh, early Christian band like Mylon Lefebvre this is a friend of mine no I uh Petra man when I was Petra I was, it was Petra. I met Mylon actually when I was a kid. Nice. He uh, he was at a <clears throat> he was at a concert, and I was like three years old. He picked me up and showed me to the whole crowd. Nice, very that's, cool. That's Mylon. All right, another comic question number nine for you, Dan. Thanos or Dark Side? Which one are you going with, Thanos or Dark Side? Which one's cooler? <laughs> Dark side. Dark side? <laughs> wow, you going with dark? You're getting choked up there. Yeah, it's, it's very emotional <laughs> making that decision. <laughs> you looked a little choked up there. All right, so here's another one, another Marvel or DC. Spider-Man or Batman? I think I already know the answer to this, but, well, maybe. I probably enjoy the character of Batman more because it's a little more... Edgy. Interesting and his story in depth, but I think Spider-Man as the storyline I think is better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Spider-Man is the story of the ultimate geek becoming becoming someone else when he puts the mask on and with the powers. Yes, I thought it's yes. interesting that you chose uh, Spider-Man to go against Batman and not Iron Man. Oh yeah, <laughs> well Iron Man's kind of Marvel's movies have created Iron Man into the character that he really wasn't in the comics as far as importance. It's true. Yeah, I've never personally connected with Iron Man. No, um, Tony Stark. Not, yeah, but 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 Batman. Uh, what I loved about it. Well, you know, and there's also a guy named. Uh, um, I'm forgetting his, his last name is Finger. Uh, yeah, you should look it up. Like Finger Batman. There's a guy that never got the credit that Bob Kane did. That was really a co-creator of Batman. Huh. It's a whole interesting story in itself. I think I've liked the visuals of Batman more than Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. But I like the Spider-Man story more. Very cool. All right, so these are kind of cult, kind of 90s TV shows, late 80s. Buffy the Vampire Slayer or the X-Files? X-Files. Oh, you're going cooler on the X-Files. I never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Are you serious? Oh, my no, gosh. Buffy watch, is a no. great show. You need to watch that. No, you need to go back and watch Buffy. All right, last I, I would. Yeah, X-Files were amazing. I loved it for the most part. Nice. So last question, being all the way from Santa Cruz, California, longboard or shortboard? Uh, longboard. Nice. Do you do any? You do any uh, boarding? 
I tried for when I first moved out here. I got into surfing, tried it, but short boards were the in. And if you weren't, if you used a long board at that time, you were seen as you know, um, you know yeah, not, you weren't respected. So yeah. I tried with long short boards, but I'm also I got paranoid about sharks. There, there are sharks here. Uh, <laughs> right. Sadly, some guy died uh, six nine months ago from a shark attack here in town. He was a Christian, um, thankfully, and uh, but he uh, so longboard looks cooler. Though I'm not I'm not a surfer now. Now this could also be for skateboards too, right? Yeah, I'd definitely say longboard for skaters. Longboard for, skate. for skaters. I have, a, I have two thin ones. Yep. Very cool. Well, that is The Cooler Game with Dan Kibble. Dan, thanks for playing along. A little bit of fun there. Get some uh, pop culture references in there. So, Dan, before you go, um, once again, thank you so much. But where can people find your stuff? What's the easiest way to find your stuff? Uh, Social media or website or just give it to them so they can connect with you. I mean, uh, easy is uh, Dan Kimball, Dan, K-I-M-B-A-L-L. And that's my... uh, website and facebook and twitter and instagram i grabbed them all early nice. so dan kimball is the same for all of them. early adopter there yeah and if anybody does want the teaching helps like again for free like uh we'll be putting them up next month in january the videos and i'm not and i'm not exaggerating here if anybody does want this book I will send you one. I don't want ever, you know, the whatever it's 17 or 18 bucks or something on Amazon to that ever be a barrier. I really believe that this, I'll send any one to someone if somebody wants one. Very cool. Hey, the brand new book is how not to read the Bible. Pick it up wherever you buy books. Dan Kimball. Thank you so much, buddy. It was good to see yeah, you Martin, again. It was so great to see, be with you. And thank you for serving the Lord all of these years, faithful oh, to his you. truth and still, uh, you know, in ministry and a, uh, in a Bible based teaching church. So thank you. Thank for your you so much. Thank you. We'll be back here in a moment on post Christian pastors. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're back. And, uh, somehow we magically picked up Mike again. That yeah. was awesome. One of the best interviews I've ever been a part of. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, great having you for it, Mike. Yeah. You were awesome in it. I mean, I'm like, glad I contribute a lot. Of I mean, insights. that was the most contribution you've made. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> and, 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 amazing. And if people weren't aware, I mean, I snuck out during it and now I'm back. I mean, yep. so that, that's, I mean, yep. It's a yeah, Christmas miracle. Got rid of the Methodist and the Presbyterian. <laughs> it's perfect. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm worried about what was discussed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're putting our stamp on. Go back and listen. I will. Amen. (laughs) Amen and a woman. Where do you think that guy got it from? No, no. (laughs) Just kidding. Didn't didn't get it from us. Uh, So let's, wow, there's some good stuff in there. Let's talk about scripture. Let's give these people listening, let's give them something to take home. Mike, what do you think? What? What do you want them to take home from from this? How can they uh, build a life uh, on scripture, on the biblical story? How, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, I ultimately, I think what needs to be the foundation of our understanding of God, even our understanding of life, needs to be understood through the lens of scripture. It should be our foundation, certainly. And 
we, we need to lift it up, you know. In Second Timothy three sixteen, Scripture says that all Scripture is God breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you got some unpopular stuff in there. Yeah, I mean a lot of correcting, stuff that we, rebuking, rebuking, nobody really training, likes that. Yeah. Um, and even righteousness, <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of those yeah. things are, are kind of uh, so true. not in vogue, but the reality is there's power in scripture. And so my encouragement would be, you know, for the listener, first of all, go to a church and engage in a regular, uh, regular way uh, where you're hearing the scriptures taught to you. Uh, if you're, you know, we teach both, I think most of us here teach both topically and exegetically straight from scripture in an expository way, but yep. also, uh, through a topic, maybe on marriage or relationships or, or handling your resources, whatever it would be. But, um, make sure that if it's topical, that your pastor is teaching from a chunk of scripture, showing you where his thoughts are coming from, where the, the truth is coming from. That's really, really important. Uh, that is the anchor of our understanding of God. And so that I would say engage in a, in a church that teaches the Bible, that helps you see, this should be evident. The second thing is just a, a daily personal exploration of the text. Engage in it. Start somewhere. I mean, a very practical book is the book of James. I love the book of James. It's my favorite book. Just really practical on how we can live out your faith in your daily life. And there's but, so many tools to do that. I mean, like absolutely. it's unbelievable yeah. the difference between when I was, I started reading the Bible, really started reading the Bible when I was about 19, yep. 20 years old. And there was nothing like hard to help you do that as a young person. Now there's so many resources. You can I get mean, commentaries online. If you don't understand what this is, you can literally look up that verse in a commentary and understand the Greek text if you want to, yeah. right. you know, in, in meetings. So for me personally, I used to use the SOAP method. This is what we teach at our church. It's just an acrostic scripture observation. So you just write down what it is you observe. And for me, that's principles. What are the truths that I'm seeing in the text? Mm -hmm. That God is faithful in difficult times, that he right. hears our voice when uh, when it seems like we're alone. Whatever that would be, you write those observations down. And then application is how do I apply that principle to my life today? That is a big turn. Not just understanding the text, but what does that mean for the meeting that I have at two o'clock? Right. right. What does it mean for the way that I'm going to handle my my kids today? Mm -hmm. Applying it, and then P for soap is just prayer. So mm -hmm. scripture, observation, application, and prayer. I write it down in a journal, and it's a way that, to get the truth of the text into my life. Mm -hmm. It literally takes those thoughts, and it's amazing what God does with it because usually mm -hmm. someone will come up you know, with a, a challenge that I read, you know, either that day or the day before. And I'm like, oh, it's interesting, you know, in the book of Job. And just because I've read that, it's right there. And right. God is ready mm -hmm. to use it. Cool. Yeah. I think that's really something that we have to be mindful of that, you know, and that scripture is not, you know, it's not merely just words on a page, right? I mean, you know, what we just read there from uh, in Timothy, but re a reminder that, you know, we just, we're just coming out of, the Christmas season. And what does John say at the beginning of his gospel? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right. Yeah. And, um, something that I found out just a few years ago, um, you know, our church is bilingual and our, uh, so associate pastor Alex was preaching on that text and he made a point to say, you know, in Spanish, in Spanish, it's the verb became flesh. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's not, you know, we think of word as kind of stagnant sometimes as like, you know, like he's like the living, moving, the living, word. moving, active, you know, word That's cool. became flesh and, and kept know, moving and kept moving. Right. <laughs> and that the word became flesh. So God's word became flesh in Jesus, but we have God's word that Jesus embodied in the Bible. Yeah. And so, you know, for, you know, I think part of that is, you know, people are like, well, I, you know, yeah, Jesus is cool. I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Well, if we're going to follow Jesus, you have to know who he is and not just merely in the gospels, but he says that the, all of scripture is pointing to him mm. and it and is him. Right. And so I think that's, you know, a huge aspect for us today as, as believers is to, you know, as you said, Mike, to get into into the word through, through your church community and personally. And, um, uh, unfortunately I think so many people who, um, and I'm not questioning their, you know, belief in Christ, but I think so many people are, um, somewhat illiterate in terms of what right. the Bible it, actually it definitely is. shapes us. If you do engage in scripture, like I need it. Yeah. I know what I am apart from, Right from that, it it makes me wiser. It makes me more self controlled, more depth. I know what I'm like on a day that I don't engage in scripture, mm. or a couple of days if I get away from it, I'm, I become inherently more selfish and self centered. And and I, so, I always so. like this. I've always liked the statement that um, you know a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't, mm. and um, because they they're in the Word. And sometimes, you know, it's all that we're held together with is duct tape, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I had a duct tape Bible. A duct tape time. Bible <laughs> is a good Bible, right? But yep. sometimes our lives are held together yeah. barely, like with just duct tape. But it's the word that's holding us together, even when we're falling apart. Hey, well, thank you for being with us here on Post Christian Pastors. Thanks for giving us a listen. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts or on Spotify. Yeah, we're on Spotify. And, uh, you know, you'd be great if you'd leave us a review on the podcast and also subscribe on all of those different platforms that you listen to podcasts. Subscribe, like us, uh, look for us on Facebook at Post Christian Pastors. I'm Mark Helsel. I'm Mike Arnold. John Price. So we are out of here. Remember, just say amen. Amen. Just say amen. Just say amen. (laughs) So be it. <laughs>